Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Thanks for joining us on Prime Time. You're with Bharati Jagdish. Now, with the crypto winter setting in, the value of cryptocurrencies has suffered a brutal deflation in the last quarter, from the collapse of Terra USD to the contagion effect from the liquidation of hedge fund Three Arrows Capital. Cryptocurrencies have lost $2 trillion in value since last year. As a result, some crypto companies were forced to shut down operations and put a freeze on hiring, and firms around the globe laid off 1,700 employees in just June alone. Well, what's next? Dr. Julian Hosp, CEO and co-founder of Singapore-based decentralized finance platform Cake DeFi, joins us now to help us out. Hi, Julian. Hey, thanks for having me on. Great to have you on. And we have spoken before. The thing is, Julian, we can't run away from this. Lots of doubts about cryptocurrencies, but you claim to have had your strongest quarter in terms of customer growth, funded accounts and payouts. How exactly? I think a lot of it uh, was the positioning that we had as a company. We have always uh, put a lot of uh, effort and, and emphasis on being completely transparent about our product. In 2019, when we started, no one really cared about this. But uh, yeah, and with the recent events, suddenly everyone started to care about this. So we benefited greatly in how we had positioned our product. And then for us, gladly, but sadly for the entire industry, a lot of companies that you had mentioned went out of business. And so a lot of these customers were looking for alternatives and uh, they came to us. So uh, on the one hand, we had really benefited from the way we positioned the product, at the same time uh, from the market sentiment in, in, in this very um, quarter. Now, here's the thing. Let's clarify this. You're not really selling your own crypto, are you? You are um, a platform. So, correct. So the way we position ourselves is what, is what we call CDFI. So it's this mix of centralized finance, which would be a complete exchange or almost like a black box where you don't really know what's happening, mm. um, but they are very user-friendly. And then on the other hand, you have DeFi, which is this open, decentralized network as on a blockchain with all these services. And so the way we position ourselves is that we provide those decentralized services in the same transparent and open manner, but we are a centralized platform that falls under regulation. We do KYC checks, we do all the AML checks, but we provide customer support and all these, the, the easy access for customers. So the people that we get are those that appreciate the easy access. They want to have this transparency. They want to be able to trust because they can check those things themselves. And so that's how we are positioned. Right. But some might say, you know, if the price of Bitcoin falls, it falls. So how exactly are you making your money and how are you able to ensure that your clients have a positive experience as well? Um, of course. I mean, if the cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin or Ethereum, DeFi chain and so on, if they drop dramatically, then of course, our revenue is also impaired by that. But at the same time, it obviously also depends a lot on how much customer growth do we have at the same time, uh, how, how, much, how many funds do they actually allocate. Our uh, revenue stems directly from the rewards our customers are getting. And so it depends on how many customers do we have. And we've had the strongest customer growth in Q2 of any quarter ever. So despite the cryptocurrencies going down, that growth compensated for that. Mm. And then these uh, customers uh, obviously brought in a lot of fresh funds 
which uh, they put to work and we take a cut from that. So the customers win and with that also the company wins. Mm. So it looks like people are still interested in cryptocurrencies. But here's the thing, just a few days ago, the MAS, the Monetary Authority of Singapore, said that while it supports fintech in general, it partners industry to explore distributed ledger technology, it supports innovation in digital asset use cases, it's contemplating imposing stricter rules on retail crypto investors because it regards cryptocurrencies as unsuitable for use as money and as highly hazardous, I'm quoting them here, for retail investors. What do you think of these warnings? Um, to a certain extent, we totally support those uh, warnings. Um, we do believe that you need to have a certain understanding to allocate uh, your hard-earned money into uh, various coins, various services. But then, uh, on, on the other hand, we always hope that uh, MAS in Singapore doesn't go and completely outright ban uh, the access for retail investors. And uh, we were really glad to hear that MAS says that they, they're very unlikely going to do that. So that very likely they're going to go and say they want to have some sophistication by the investors. And that is, in, in our opinion, the exact route that uh, we hope not only Singapore goes, but the entire world goes. Um, we have over a million customers on our platform. We don't really target crypto newbies. Generally, they are not, uh, for, for them, the, the entire DeFi space, um, despite our easy user experience, it's still relatively new and may sometimes be overwhelming. So we generally target customers who have a bit of a strong understanding already, but we would really welcome if the entire world would go a bit of a route where um, retail is open, but there has to be some understanding. Maybe they have to uh, have to have some tests or they, they have to mm. have some uh, proof that they actually understand what they're getting into. Yeah, I think they did mention the possibility of tests to determine customer suitability. What other types of regulation would you say are needed here? I think the number one regulation that I um, had uh, always pushed for or I would always be pushing is that proof of funds from the platforms. I mean, I think that's actually one of the uh, most important regulations. And I think in the entire space, I only know of two platforms to do this. It's us, um, because we are completely transparent, and it's uh, uh, Kraken, the exchange from the U.S. They also have this proof of funds method. I'm not aware that any other platform is actually doing this. Uh, the reason why I would think this is so important is because for the customer, then this doubting or worrying, is this platform insolvent? Are my funds still there? Would completely dissipate. And with blockchain, this would be possible. Um, the reason why platforms don't want to do it is because many times they actually want to leverage customers' funds or they want to tell the customer that they are doing A and then actually they're doing B. Mm. Um, and, and so for, I think for a platform, it just basically limits the way how you can make money as a platform, but for a customer, it provides a lot more assurance. And I think the, the regulators are clearly looking into this. Uh, sadly, they haven't made that uh, mandatory yet. So I hope that maybe in the next months or years, that's uh, something they're going to pick up. You know, Julian, the inventors of cryptocurrencies sold it as something autonomous, decentralized, not under the control of some huge umbrella organization. Yet with all this talk of regulation, a lot of players in the crypto industry have said it's a good thing. But isn't it contradictory to the original intent uh, to somewhat, yes. But on the other hand, I, I see this also from this angle that true decentralization, meaning everyone is in charge on their own. And when, when I give a keynote speech, I generally end that speech, and I'm obviously very positive about decentralization. I generally end that speech with this 45-second uh, YouTube clip where this uh, gentleman is 
split naked is at the <laughs> hotel door and uh, by accident closes the door and is completely naked. Mm. And so he walks completely naked down the hallway, into the elevator, down to the reception to get an extra key card. And so it's extremely embarrassing. But now imagine if that door would be locked by a decentralization, then that means that person has no chance ever getting back into that door. And so I always end with that kind of highlighting how decentralization is really great, but we will always need some kind of handholding. And so that is why we have been pushing so hard for this mix of DeFi and DeFi, where you're trying to get the best out of both worlds. You're trying to get this handholding. You're trying to get some kind of regulation. Some regulation is actually good. It, it mm. establishes the rules. <laughs> um, but at right. the same time, you want to keep the transparency and you want to keep the openness and you want to keep that, that access for a customer. So I think that mixes, like, like in many things in life, um, it, 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 it's not black or white. Many times the, somewhere in the middle, that's uh, what you want. Mm, that was quite an analogy, though, of the naked person. So I hope you come up with a few more of those. I think it'll make the concept really stick. The thing is, Julian, a lot of detractors in the space as well. Not in the space, but near the space. So, for example, Warren Buffett claims that he wouldn't even spare $25 if he was offered all the Bitcoin in the world. Uh, A lot of others saying crypto is more about speculation than investing. What would you say to them? I do actually agree that probably 80%, maybe even 90% of the purchase power that gets allocated into cryptocurrencies is just like on the stock market or in gold or in uh, commodities. A lot of it is speculation. And the exact same is, gonna, is happening in cryptocurrencies. Um, where I would disagree with Warren Buffett, and I'm a very big Buffett disciple, so I mm. follow actually his teachings uh, religiously. Um, but, but where I would really disagree is that Bitcoin um, or Ethereum or DeFi chain or many, many, many other, other cryptocurrencies, they have really clear utility. And that clear utility is at the end what drives the value. So now we can discuss or debate is this utility relevant to someone? And I do believe that. I do believe Bitcoin's uh, ability to be completely decentralized as an insurance policy, if everything else kind of goes south, can be very attractive. And just like an insurance policy on your house is something you hope you never need, but mm. it's, you do need it, it's really, really helpful. And so I do really see that utility, but at the same time, I strongly agree with them that probably at, at any point in time, a lot of the purchase power getting allocated to cryptocurrencies is because of speculation. Mm. Uh, in, the, in the space, we always call this is NGU, numbers going up. So right. many people always kind of laugh. Uh, the only reason why people invest is NGU. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And also gray areas again, right? It's not just black and white. Here's the thing. You plan to publicly invest $15 million into decentralized assets such as DTSLA, DTLT, and a few others. Why this strategy, Julian? Um, so various blockchains uh, came up with ways to, in a, in a decentralized manner, tokenize assets out of the real world. Um, but in this case, they're decentralized. And so some examples, as you mentioned, are, for example, a decentralized Tesla or a decentralized gold or decentralized bonds. Um, we are going to be doing this on the DeFi chain, which is uh, built around Bitcoin. Um, Ethereum has something like that with synthetics. Um, originally, Terra Luna, uh, you mentioned this in the introduction, yeah. they had also tried something like that. Um, they didn't manage to, to get this off the ground. Um, the reason we are very bullish on these is because it, it, it provides for very fast and easy access um, with the allocation into different um, exposures. 
So you don't necessarily stay purely in the crypto world, but you have these instant exposure in, instant exposure out. And many, many times you have massive frictions, um, especially at the edges of the ecosystem. So if you want to get out of Bitcoin and you want to invest into, let's say, Tesla or into gold, many times there's massive friction. And it's very expensive, takes a lot of time. Um, and in this case, it can be done instantly. And you can go instantly in and out. And so we just see at the moment, the company has made good money over the last three years. Um, we have been uh, very uh, cautious with our treasury. We've had a lot of dollars, um, just very conservatively. And so we just see that right now, it may be a good time to step by step, not all at once, but step by step, allocate those dollars into other asset classes. And so that is why we're doing this. And obviously, also, we want to support that decentralized manner. So I think for us, this is really aligned. Okay, finally, Julian, your outlook for the remaining two quarters. How do you expect the market to evolve? At the beginning of July, which is basically the beginning of the second half of the year, um, uh, we, I, we do these weekly YouTube videos on Tuesdays always, uh, Tuesday, 6 p.m. Singapore time. And uh, on there, beginning of July, I had mentioned that I was fairly confident that we're going to see a, uh, a bullish second half of the year. So we're going to end the year higher than we started the second half of the year. Um, and I thought, Why? Totally Why do you think that? that? Um, I think that the first half was a bit overly bearish. I think people were overly cautious. I do believe there's going to be some momentum coming back. Um, however, and there's going to be the big however, I'm actually fairly bearish on 2023. So I would be not surprised if the next year we're going to see even lower prices than we have seen this year. Why? Um, and, Again, and why? Reason, at the end, I think that um, I'm a medical doctor, so to use a a medical analogy. I think the patient, in this case, the entire economy, is not very healthy right now. Uh, however, I think um, over the last six months, or in the first six months of this year, people were a bit overly pessimistic in what the patient is, is, is like, and then realized, oh my, God, oh my goodness, it's actually not that bad. So there was a bit of a recovery in how uh, bad it was. But then uh, maybe right now, people are getting a bit too optimistic, and then next year they're gonna realize, okay, um, it is actually not that good. Housing, real estate may not be so good. Uh, growth hasn't been that good. Companies may are not doing so well. People may be getting laid off next year. So that is just where a bit of my pessimism is coming in. Now, Julian, you mentioned you're a medical doctor and we know this about you. I think the last time we spoke, we did discuss it. How did you get from medicine into this field, into cryptocurrency? You were a trauma doctor, weren't you? Yes. In 2014, I... I tried to do a medical startup and, and, and I was looking for, for ways to store patient records uh, in, in a way where the patient had an interoperable system so I could go from uh, one hospital to another and I could bring those records with me while at the same time the patient doesn't run at risk in losing those records. And so the only way to do this is to entrust them into, to another company and then every time you have these so-called honeypots where people try to hack those databases. Um, and so in 2014, I learned about blockchain and how this could revolutionize that space. Right. And so that, that at the end was what got me into that space. Um, I still believe that that use case would be exciting, but it would have to be driven by the government or it would have to be driven by um, yeah, a union of uh, insurance companies or hospitals. Um, I think Singapore could be quite an interesting uh, playground for that. Uh, but uh, yeah, and, and, and that's why then in 2015, 
I, I pivoted into the financial aspect of blockchain, uh, aka cryptocurrencies. Right, it is the same concept, and we can certainly have another conversation about how all of this can be applied to specific industries. Thank you so much for joining us, Julian. Dr. Julian Hosp, CEO and co-founder of Cake DeFi. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.